0: I'm in favor of any system that helps people grow in self-awareness. One of the things that makes the Enneagram so interesting is it reveals that what's best about you is what's worst about you, and what's worst about you is what's best about you.
1: Totally. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Ziveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business and make it stop running you so you can enjoy your work and your life. I'm Trisha Shortino, the CEO of Belay. Hey guys, I'm Lisa Zeeveld,
2: the CEO of Belay. Together we are T and LZ. We've known each other since 2005 and have worked together for a decade, growing a 100% remote business from startup to being recognized on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies list for six years running.
1: LZ and I have learned a lot along the way and have made some great friends. For One Next Step, we are inviting them on the podcast to bring you episodes filled with excellent content delivered by some talented people. We're excited today to talk to you about the Enneagram Mm -hmm, and how to interact with all personality types at work. We'll be joined by Ian Cron, the one and only. I'm so excited. He will share highlights of Enneagram's numbers one through five what motivates them, and what it's like to work with them. Yeah, I'll never forget when I first was
2: introduced to the Enneagram. Jen Hatmaker had posted something on Instagram about how she had taken the Enneagram test. And I was like, I need to do it. And remember, T, we were heading up to the Highlands in North Carolina, and we spent like hours, Talking about everybody's results. <laughs> yes. yes. It was absolutely fabulous. Well, our guest, Ian Cron, knows about personality types inside and out. He's an Enneagram expert, a trained psychotherapist, and a priest. He understands relationships, what motivates people, and the why
1: behind what people do and how they think. Wow, I am so excited he's with us. What an incredible mind we have with us today. In addition to that, he speaks at conferences and corporations and hosts workshops to help leaders improve their teams. He wrote the best selling book, The Road Back to You. We have a two part interview focused on all nine types. Here is part one of our interview with Ian Cron. Welcome, Ian. Welcome to the podcast today.
0: I'm delighted to be here. Thank you.
1: Yes, thank you for joining us.
2: So um, just to let our listeners kind of get acclimated to what we're going to be talking about today, could you tell us about the Enneagram?
0: Yes, I certainly can. The Enneagram is an ancient personality typing system that teaches there are nine basic personality types in the world, one of which we gravitate toward and adopt in childhood, as a way to feel safe in the world and to navigate new relationships. And very importantly, uh, the Enneagram teaches that each of these types has an unconscious motivation that powerfully influences how that particular type acts, thinks, and feels on a predictable and habitual basis from day to day.
1: Wow. That's wow. a powerful, so I, very long I, statement you just made.
2: I know. I know. And, and all I'm thinking of is Ian, I wonder if he already can tell what our numbers are. We'll see if by the end of this, you
1: can guess what number Lisa is and what number I am. Okay. He's sizing us up right now. I know. He totally uh, no, Fascinating. So, so there's nine types. Um, this first episode, we're going to talk about the first five. Uh, type one through five. Will you just first just start off by telling us what are the names and types one through five that we'll cover today?
0: Sure. Type ones are called the improvers. They used to be called the perfectionists, but oh, I, I like you that. got a
1: name change. Oh, I did. I
0: just it away. gave it away.
2: <laughs> I'm a one, Ian. I'm a oh, one. Oh,
0: so. so most ones uh, are so happy about the name change that yes. <laughs> It's ridiculous. If I had a nickel for every one that almost cried and said, thank you, I'd I'd be Jeff Bezos.
2: I'm one of those people. Thank you. I'm an improver. I love it. Improver. Very
0: nice. Yes. Twos are called the helpers. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another name for them that I've started using is the befrienders um, because they're the most interpersonal number on the Enneagram. No one can make friends faster than a two. Threes are called the achievers or the performers. Fours are called the individualists. And fives are called the investigators or the observers, one or the other.
2: Maybe it's better, T, that we're actually going to talk through, like, my personnel. Like, right, we're going to, it actually is going to work out where there's going to be a I lot know, more I know. on this side and then you on episode two. So very, yeah. very cool. I you know. know, Ian, how do these play into um, how we show up in the workplace?
0: Well, I mean, I, most of my time is working with corporations, senior management teams, and sometimes with uh, an entire company. You know, I talk to companies with 700, 800 people at a time in one room. And it really does revolutionize the workplace because one of the things it highlights is that all of us show up for the world in very, very different ways. And the way that we show up, uh, the way that we process situations, the way that we process the world—they they are very, very different. And once you know that, your like, like, for example, I always tell leaders that the one of the biggest mistakes they can make is to presume that everybody sees the world the way that they do. Yeah. And you know, if the enneagram is right, there are nine normal ways of seeing the world right not just not just your way is normal there are nine normals out there
1: that can't be right.
0: Ah. <laughs> can She's be an eight, Ian. She's uh, an yes. eight. Are we sure? Yeah, actually, you you eights and ones would have a hard time believing that there is another way. Of, of seeing well, the world. you
1: should hear some of the conversations that LZ and I have. <laughs> They're pretty strong conversations. I I'm, bet. Much, I'm a one. I'm a one two. So a lot
2: there, a lot there. That's yeah.
0: awesome. So once you are familiar with all nine types and your own type, one of the beautiful things it does is it very quickly and even, I would say, algorithmically improves your self-awareness. And in the corporate space, as research has shown, and I mean, leaders get mad when I say it sometimes because they're looking for hardcore bottom line answers. And I keep telling them the answer is about soft skills, that the key predictor, this is from a Cornell University uh, study, the key predictor of success among leaders is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I yeah. believe it. Yeah. And the Enneagram is the finest tool I know, and I've looked at and worked with a lot, uh, is the finest tool I know for helping people in a quick and efficient way to expand and cultivate their self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And it's always so exciting to see what happens inside of organizations and teams and senior management groups when they have become familiar with the Enneagram and it's, uh, it's really wonderful.
2: Well, it gives us the vernacular. I mean, I think that was one of the, the great things that when I took my first Enneagram test was it, it gave me words to my feelings mm-hmm. and it really helped me explain myself to others. Like yes. Why this is important to me mm-hmm. is because this is a part of who I am. And so I think that that really opened up the dialogue. You know, as Tricia was joking before, even just between me and her and, and her and our other leaders, how we view the world is sometimes very differently. But now we have the terminology and the vernacular to describe why we feel that way.
0: Yes. In fact, I worked for a Fortune 500 company. I did a day-long workshop with their a whole division. So it was a couple hundred people. And maybe six months later, the head of HR asked me to come in and just to do a follow up. So I arrived at their offices in downtown Manhattan, went to their floor, and I'm, I'm trying to find her office. I'm trying to find, I'm looking at the suites, you know, all the different offices, and the numbers on the doors don't make any sense. And I'm like, where's her office? I can't figure out where it is. Well, she came down, finally figured out that I was lost, came down the hallway. And I said, what's up with the numbering of your suites? She goes, oh, those aren't the suite numbers, those are their Enneagram numbers
1: ah oh. wow
0: she said after your workshop we decided that we would all put in these you know really nice sort of metal brass letters on the door <laughs> numbers on their door uh so that when people walked into another person's office you know like okay when an mm-hmm. 8 walked into a 1's office they knew enough now that that 8 could bake into his or her calculations okay mm-hmm. who am i about to have a conversation with what are the do's what are the don'ts what what would mm-hmm. you know remove the inefficiencies in this communication, right? And I'll tell you, it, you know, it just makes such a difference. People in the mm-hmm. workplace, one of the reasons people leave all the time is they feel like people don't see or understand them, nor that their mm-hmm. leaders don't fully appreciate what they bring to the table. Yeah. And a lot of times leaders don't because they don't mm-hmm. know about the in, inner workings of that person's personality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I didn't do when I went through those type names is maybe just sort of give a one sentence description of yeah. of the type. Would that be helpful? Well, I was just yeah.
1: going to say, yeah, yeah, I'd love to run through, you know, kind of the first one through five. It's perfect that you're going to talk about one. Cause we just talked about, we're going to walk into one's office. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: We're going to walk into a one's office. So what do we need to know about a one?
0: Well, ones are meticulous, they are hardworking, they are very, very reliable, and their unconscious motivation, what is it that is driving a one, is a need to perfect themselves, others, and the world, okay? Mm -hmm. Twos, the helpers, uh, warm, caring, giving, uh, supportive, interpersonal, off the charts, uh, they're motivated by a need to be needed and loved, okay, and approved of. Uh, threes, the, uh, the achievers and the performers, they're success-oriented, image-conscious, and they are wired for productivity, very ambitious. Mm-hmm. They uh, are motivated by a need to succeed, to appear successful, and to avoid failure at all costs, Uh, fours, the individualists, uh, creative, sensitive, temperamental at times, they're motivated by a need to be unique and special to compensate for what they perceive is, uh, a missing piece or a fatal flaw in their essential makeup. Okay. They're, they're a complicated number, disproportionately represented in the creative arts. Uh, fives, (laughs) (laughs) They are. I'm a four, so be careful about laughing.
1: Uh,
0: Oops. Um, Oops. (laughs) Yeah, Fives uh, are called the investigators. Uh, Analytical, the most analytical number on the Enneagram. Very private, the most emotionally distant number on the Enneagram. Uh, They're motivated by a need to collect knowledge and information, particularly about niche subjects, to conserve energy, to fend off, what they perceive is a lack of inner resources to meet the demands of the world, particularly in the relational sphere. So there's um, probably examples from the corporate world for all of those people. Uh, (laughs) I I could probably offer some guesses, but... We'll see if we get there in this conversation.
2: That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was sitting here just with our own team and my own family members going, yep, I know who that number is. Yep, mm-hmm. I know who that number is. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's very fascinating because I think that everybody I've known who's taken the Enneagram test, once they hear their number, that they somewhat feel validated. It's it's not a shock, right? Wouldn't you mm-hmm. say, Tricia?
1: Oh, yeah. It's almost affirming. Like, oh, that, that that is yes. who I am. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: You know, it's interesting, though. At the same time, when you really read a description of each of the types, uh, yes, it's validating. But first, it's usually a little uncomfortable, uh, and for some people, the exposure—they're a little horrified by their type. You know what I mean? Because one of the yeah. things the one of the things the Enneagram does, and I like this is why I prefer it over DISC and Myers Briggs Strengths Finder. All, all of which I like. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm in favor of any system that helps people grow in self awareness. But one of the things that makes the Enneagram so interesting is it reveals that what's best about you is what's worst about you. And what's worst about you is what's best about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It reveals the kind of the shadow side of your personality in addition to what's best about it. So you get a a real 360, a very honest assessment. When I first read my type, I was like, I wanted to crawl under my bed because it it felt to me like someone was reading my mail. And I was like, "How, how did you know that about I've never talked about my interior world like that to anybody. Yeah. Uh, nor actually did I even have the language that you that the Enneagram has to right. describe it. It's uh, it really is un- is it's uncannily accurate. Mhm.
2: Well, and I think that actually, you know, kind of begs the question too. Have you seen especially in a in a business corporate environment when people hear about other people's Enneagram types, is there any negative tone to that? You know, they start to judge somebody by those characteristics. Like easily, like mm-hmm. you said, I'm I'm happy that the title 401 has been changed because I've seen people go, well, you know, she's the perfectionist. She's the one that's not going to be happy with anything. So do you find that you, when you're coaching other leaders that you have to manage around that?
0: When I'm doing day-long workshops, I spend probably 30 minutes talking about Enneagram ethics, because, mm. you know, like anything in life, you can weaponize the Enneagram and, and use the information mm. you have about other types and even your own type, uh, against them. So for, for example, w- when I hear somebody say, well, like you said, um, oh my gosh, she's such a six or she's such a seven, mm. that's an uh, insulting and dismissive. Right. Mm-hmm. And And I'm always like, Mm, that's a no-go. If you're going to use the Enneagram, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a non-starter. Uh, sometimes I'll hear people say, well, I'm just an eight. Get, you, you know, get used to it, you know? And I'm like, mm, actually, no. Part of the reason for knowing the Enneagram is so that you can begin to work on the shadow side of your type and that you can take responsibility for those dimensions of your personality that are running riot and need to be, you know, brought to heal, right?
1: Right. To be the healthiest version of your number, right? Like the the health of like, you know, as someone who's been, you know, casually practicing and understanding who I am as an Enneagram eight, uh, since we're talking about is that I'm trying to be the healthiest eight I can because healthy eights show up like X, Y, Z, but unhealthy eights show up this other way. And so I'm always kind of looking at myself and my health on the scale of how my number shows up.
0: And so the way that you could actually maybe even say that a different terminology would be instead of using the word health, you can say self-aware. Uh, if you mm-hmm. were talking about unhealthy, you would talk about lacking self-awareness, right? Or little self-awareness or mm-hmm. in the middle, average self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we want to do is constantly be upping people's self-awareness so that as they go through the day, they have the ability to observe the way that they're acting Thinking and feeling in real time, and also then self regulating as -hmm. they're moving through the day to prevent the shadow side Mm -hmm. of their type, the very unconscious side of their type, from taking over and Mm -hmm. getting them in trouble, right? (laughs) Getting them in trouble.
2: How can leaders encourage, or maybe a better word is motivate each type in an office?
0: Sure. Well, you know, let's take ones, for example. Uh, Ones are called the, as I mentioned earlier, the improvers. You know, what I would say uh, about them, and they're wonderful human beings. Every type, by the way, is fantastic when it's healthy to the degree that it's Mm. self-aware. They are remarkable human beings, right? Right. You know, with a one, you really can motivate them by going to them with anything that needs improving. Honestly, they they can improve anything. If it looks Mm -hmm. perfect, take it to a one. They will know how to make it even better. (laughs) You can leverage their remarkable talent for spotting mistakes. Have you ever been with a one where they go into a restaurant and they notice that one of the words is misspelled on the menu? I mean, that I wouldn't even see. Like, their attention immediately goes toward what's wrong. Is there disorder? And if there is, how can I order it? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's like their attention immediately rivets itself on mistakes in the environment, right? Yes. They really value clarity. I would explain exactly how you want a job done and then give them deadlines. Like a couple of other numbers, ones like predictability. They don't like you to change plans too quickly unless – you can present a reason that makes sense to them, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't like people changing the rules without there being any rational reason for it. They don't like they don't like people just you know being off the cuff, right? Mm-hmm. They're incredibly ethical, so you really want to make sure that you're not cutting corners around a one. Uh, that you're following a process uh, that you have an agreed upon system. And you don't depart from the system. You, you mm-hmm. stick with it and, uh, at, at all. So, uh, Lisa, does that sound like you at all? I'll let Trisha answer.
1: Yeah, we're <laughs> totally talking about it. It reminds me of a story. And I'm okay, too, down a rabbit trail. But, like, Lisa and I were in a hotel. And yeah. we were sharing a suite. that had two bedrooms. And we were in the suite. And we immediately walk in the room. And she's completely sizing up the room. And we are there three minutes. And she's like, no, this room will not do. And we went back yeah. down to the lobby and spoke to the house and we got a different room because that room was not <laughs> tidy enough. It wasn't clean enough. There yes. were scuffs on the, and I was like, okay. And now me, I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Room look fine. Well, to me. Exactly.
0: So, <laughs> but do you, okay. So do you see how, if you're a leader, how valuable this information is? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and do you see what a mistake it would be for a leader to think that their way of seeing the world was normal yes. and the only way to mm-hmm. see the world? And that because yes. the moment you think your way of seeing the world is normal, it means that everybody else you encounter who has a different view, therefore, is abnormal, and you feel justified in in judging them. So, mm-hmm. you as an eight, if you know what a one is like uh, as a leader, then you would say to yourself, "This person's way of the world, I don't have it, but I need it. Mm-hmm. I need someone like I. You mm-hmm. want your neurosurgeon to be a one." Yeah, you know, I want my I want my book editor to be a one
1: or your CFO, your CFO. You want your CFO to be a one? You know, all every penny. Yeah,
0: or a six. I can get to that a little bit. Yeah, true. But every time I get on the airplane, I want to tap the door of the pilot's cabin and just say a little prayer, like, "Okay, Lord, Lord, please make him a one. Make her (laughs) a one. You know what I'm saying? Because hey, I don't need a four behind the, you know, the wheel of an right. airplane. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, thinking about all these creative things. It's like, not that a four couldn't do it. I'm just saying that way of seeing the world uh, is necessary in an organization. So yeah. You want to talk about twos? Sure.
1: Yeah, let's, let's do it. We have a lot of twos so, in our organization. So this will be. Good I would for bet you team. do.
0: So, well, I'll tell you this twos are wonderful HR people. And so they really do understand where to place people and they are brilliant at attracting talent mm. because they're so relational. They can convince anybody uh, that, you know, Belay or IBM or Apple is the best company in the world to work for. And would you please come work for us? You know, because they're, mm-hmm. they're yeah. two, threes and fours are the most image conscious numbers on the Enneagram. So they actually know how to project an image of the company that is so attractive that it gets great talent in the door. Mm. Right? Yeah. And those relationship skills even make it easier. Mm. Right.
1: Well, it's good. We have a lot then here. We have a a staffing company loaded with twos. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I work, I once worked with a company, it was a hedge fund in Manhattan. And I remember walking in the door right away because you can feel a culture, Mm. right? I mean, the moment you walk in, you can feel the culture. It's in the furniture. You know what I mean? Mm. And I walked in the door and I thought, this is a three, eight company. This is all threes and eights. And I was right after I worked with the management team for a while. And finally, one day I said to him, who's answering the phones around here? Like, who's at the front desk? Who's mm. dealing with people? And and I'm like, you have no twos in here. Like, right. who's at the desk warmly greeting people? I'm like, I don't know if that's important to you, but you, you have to ask yourself the question, What are what does it cost us not to have a two in this yes. organization? Yes. Right? So – Motivating a two, Mm -hmm. I I would say that for twos, you cannot say, I appreciate you and your work enough. You you just can't. It's like Mm -hmm. they crave approval and uh, words of affirmation. Give you an example, the Mary Kay company, that's a classic Mm -hmm. two company, you know, okay, start with a compliment, then a constructive criticism and mm-hmm. with a compliment, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. an affirmation. Mm-hmm. It's yes. like, that is pure to strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So, you know, another way, if you really want to motivate it to, you got to make sure that they are in a high traffic area in the office. They have to be around people all the time.
2: Mm, right.
0: And so the more interpersonal you can make the job, the more, they're in touch with people during the course of a day, the better off they are, the more energized they are. You, you do not want to put them in a basement office away from other people. They'll die. <laughs> yeah, Don't right. lock them up. Now you could, no, Good. So, yeah. so check this out. Mm. You could put a five in the basement and they could not be more happy. You
1: right. see that? They'd probably prefer it. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. and once you know once you know this, it's like yeah. you make different decisions as a leader. All right. Yes. Threes. Oh, boy. Okay. So with threes, nobody gets more done in an organization than a three. And and nobody gets it done faster. These are people who've memorized David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they make yes. phenomenal salespeople, right? They are driven, task-oriented. They love to-do lists. They live for to-do lists, right? They love to crank through them. They have a, yeah. a gift for seeing opportunities on the horizon before anybody else does. And the quickest path to realizing the opportunity, right? Yeah. Then more than yeah. any other number. To motivate a three, you have to have rewards, promotions, mm-hmm. incentives yeah. at the end of the day. Like, okay, so if you sell this much, this is what, this is what you're going to get. This is the promotion you're going to get. Mm-hmm. This is the bonus you're going to get because they yeah. chase that stuff. Right. Right. When when a three doesn't have any goals, professional goals, they get depressed. They feel lost. uh, They become dissatisfied, you know, irritable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they need something all the time, some achievement that they can realize as a result of their work. Uh, And and also because they're going to compete against everybody else for it.
1: Yeah, our our VP of revenue who leads our sales team is a three and you're you're talking about her right there. It's it's there it is. Yeah, it's so intensely.
0: Yeah. Now when you're when you're dealing with fours, I would say uh motivating a four involves regularly recognizing their unique contribution to the corporate setting, to the corporate world. So in other words, you know, fours are intensely creative people. These are people who make. Let uh, me be a company, because most people can't believe there are fours in the corporate world. <laughs> and there's not a ton. I mean, you know, I feel like
1: our you, marketing team might have some. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. They would be yeah. great. You know, designers mm-hmm. uh, like like Tiffany's would be a four company. Maybe Ritz Carlton would be a four mm-hmm. company. Just the, the because nobody has a better sense of aesthetics than a four. Mm. Nobody. Let me give you an example of this. I worked for a a gigantic American corporation. I I, I wish I could tell you what company it was, but it's (laughs) absolutely gigantic. Okay. Like I'm talking about, like I'm talking about millions of employees. I'm not talking about hundreds of thousands, right? Okay. Okay. I went to their corporate headquarters, and everything was the color of khaki. I mean, like, oh, and I can't even begin to tell you how big this buildings, the set of buildings was, I was like, why is everything tan? Everything. yes." And I was, the four in me was going, how could these people possibly be motivated by a building that seems to hate color? You know what I mean? It (laughs) was like, and I was like, this is a depressing environment. I actually pressed on them about it. You know, like, this is not a great environment for people to work in. Okay. So with fours, they just need a lot of affirmation. Now you, if a four makes a suggestion. Uh, and you disagree with it, they don't mind. They'll take that as long as you say to them. But in spite of the fact that we're not following your suggestion, I want you to know I appreciate the unique contribution that you make to this mm-hmm. organization.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Right? Otherwise, they'll, they'll spin out on you. Let's, let's yeah. end with fives. You know, to motivate a five, I'm always like, you know, don't worry so much about giving them a cash bonus. If you, if you really want to reward a five, give them more autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell yes. them they, they can work from home. Tell them you're going to give them an office far away from, you know, the flow of traffic where yeah. Yeah. people are going to be constantly stopping at their desk and wanting to talk and ask questions. You know, it's not like fives aren't social. It's just that they thrive in an atmosphere of privacy and quiet mm-hmm. and, and give them a job and leave them alone. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, uh, so like I'm always telling twos, for example. They're very tactile. They get real close on people physically. I know, having worked with a lot of fives, I've worked with a company where they had 500 coders. And I said, well, I guarantee you, at least 50% are fives. Right? Right,
1: And they're not hugging and, each other. Nobody's hugging.
0: No. No. And, and I, I, tell, I told their, their, the guy that was in charge of them, who was an eight, I said, all right, let me just tell you something. Your energy is intense. And you're gonna overwhelm these fives. So what I want you to do is I want you to stand at least 12 inches further away from them than you normally would another type. Interesting. Yeah. Just because the energy around them, they just they need that space, right? So I yes. tell twos, you can't rush in and go hug a bunch of fives. Yeah. They, they will yes. stand there with their arms at their side, <laughs> like looking, like their eyes get yeah. real big, they'll start blinking. Like this is too much. Again. This is just the little things, and I'm talking a little bit, you know, in generalities here. Everybody's different, but these little things, man, they make a gigantic difference in the workplace.
2: Wow, that is a lot. We've talked about a lot in just the Enneagrams one through five. But hey, guys, it is time for the one next step. As the most practical business podcast, we want to make sure taking action is easy. So with each episode, we're going to offer you one next step to propel you forward. Today's next step is to download Ian Morgan Cron's guide, How to Lead and Work by Enneagram Type. In this resource, Ian gives an insightful look to how each of the nine Enneagram types naturally lead and work. It will not only help you recognize someone else's type, but it will help you see the value of their type. Be sure to download the guide so you can leverage people's differences to make a difference in your organization.
1: I can't wait. It's going to be such great information. To download it now, text the phrase One Next Step to 31996 or visit OneNextStepPodcast.com. When you request today's guide, you'll also receive a summary of today's episode, which includes key quotes, takeaways, and links to resources mentioned in the episode.
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of One Next Step. We hope you've enjoyed what you're hearing from us. And now we want to hear from you. Head on over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. We've created this podcast to help you lead your team and grow your business.
1: Until next time, own your journey. It's your life and your business. It's up to you to create the life and organization you want. Join us next week for more practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit OneNextStepPodcast.com.